You know this song, Sal? Yeah. You do? Yeah, I've heard it. It's before your time. I know. So I heard it on the way to work today. I was jamming. Did you hear that growing up in the 70s? I didn't grow up in the 70s. <laughs> oh, that's, that's all. Yeah. What's up, everyone? This is uh, live on Real Estate, your source for all things mortgage and real estate related. I'm your host, Paul Pasolakis. We've got Sal Kuzmano. Good morning. How are you, man? Pretty good. Yeah, fresh back from Lake Tahoe. Yep. We'll right talk in, a little right bit about that. Yep. Yeah, we've got special guest Brennan Davis. Uh, he hails from Jim Schaefer and Associates, Keller Williams, over in uh, Royal Oak. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Very good. Uh, just want to thank all our fans. I've been going through live on real estate. We've been getting a lot of good feedback, which I appreciate. Um, so if you if you want to listen to this, subscribe. Go to live on real estate. Do the whole what is it? The pod podcast. What is it? Podcast po- on Apple. Pause on Apple. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how does that work? There's an app on your phone called Podcast. Yeah. You just click it and Thanks. search live on real estate. Need the need the millennials to explain that to yeah. us, right? Yeah. So uh yeah, so Sal just to start off the show, I just really want to talk about this. Sal went um uh, to, to Lake Tahoe <laughs> and uh decided to you know, he's you know, very athletic. Yeah. And decided to uh just to ski for the first time in Lake Tahoe. So how did that go? Uh pretty good. We were talking before the show. You came to a realization that you have no muscle structure in your legs. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Zero. At least, at least not the kind you need for skiing. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. He can walk, but uh, he doesn't. Yeah. 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 My legs were like raw bratwurst. Just, Gosh, just that's horrible. Soft and yeah, I just uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a bad bounce. Twist of the knee, pretty bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're back. I got a text message, Brendan, just so you know. It said, uh, "Yeah, I went skiing. Uh, blew out my knee." <laughs> <laughs> so, um, he luck- luckily he's uh, he's walking. I think he just fatigued. Good so. times. Good yeah. times. So, Brennan Davis, uh, like I said, you're from Jim Schaefer and Associates, great partner of ours. You've been working with us for some time, been in the business since, since 2015. Give us some background on yourself, Brennan. How'd you get into the industry? How, what do you like about it? The whole shebang. Yeah, so I, I came from the financial services industry where I spent about 14 years. Sounds exciting. Um, it was, but um, that industry uh, leaves you with some moral decisions with clients that uh, – I wasn't comfortable making. Okay, and uh, found real estate as a, an option that doesn't put you in a position where you have to uh, basically pick between doing what's best for the client or what's best for your wallet. Okay, so That's... Um, it, it allows you to <clears throat> provide great service and uh, do it with a, a high level of integrity. So. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So you work over in uh, in Royal Oak, probably one of the hottest markets in our in our area for people that listen out of state. There's uh, something called the Woodward Corridor here in Metro Detroit, and you've got some pretty big cities. And Royal Oak is really one of the fastest growing areas in our around here. Um, so, talk to me a little bit about that market and how a competitive it is, and how you know the growth over the last two, three years in that in that whole area, or maybe five years, really. Yeah, it's an extremely competitive market. Uh, the whole Woodward Corridor, like you said, this, the the cities around Royal Oak. You know, the Berkeley, Ferndale, Pleasant Ridge, Huntington Woods, all those cities that really have a a strong drive uh, or a a strong draw to, excuse me, the millennials, the people who, when they're shopping for houses, want the ability to walk out of their house and either shop, uh, entertain themselves, uh, dinner, things like that. So all of those cities in the corridor provide that. 
and uh, it's drawing a lot of millennials there. So the market uh, is very competitive. And, and Sal, you, we've seen this, right? Yeah. It's 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 like and walkability. People, walkability. So people that don't know, again, uh, these the Royal Oak has a really vibrant downtown Ferndale on the Woodward Corridor. You've got Birmingham, Berkeley. All these cities have really vibrant downtown areas where you can just walk out your door, maybe walk a block and be in an area where you can get a drink, you can get dinner, you can get watch a movie. You can do a lot of different things. And that that is the draw, in my opinion, and also location is very central located. Definitely. And, and with that being said, you know, since there is like a central draw being like a main street or, or a downtown, you can't add to that. So when a house hits the market in that area, it's just nuts. You Correct. know, timing yeah. is of the essence, yeah. given it's priced at all reasonably. Correct. <laughs> yeah, you, you price stuff competitively in those areas. You, you're the house is going to move fast, and it's going to be a competitive situation. Yeah. So I mean, and, and being that that's the case, I mean, obviously, we were talking earlier, and you were ta- you're telling me that you work with a lot of first time home buyers. That's kind of like a, a lot of people right now, in my opinion. You know, the majority of the the pre approvals that we're getting right now. I mean, some are. You know, moving up, having babies, getting their second or third home, but there's a there's a ton of first time home buyers right now in the market. There's it, correct, yeah, a lot of first time home buyers who um, need a lot of coaching in the process, and um, you know, it's it's com- like we said, very competitive, so they don't know what to expect um, in that sense. And obviously, being first time home buyers, they're not very familiar with the process just in general and how it works. So being able to coach those individuals along the way uh, is paramount to, to service that you have to provide. So. Yeah, and it kind of goes in some of the topics, just so some of the topics we're going to talk about today. One of them is um, the full service experience, right? I mean, being a first-time home buyer, you need a lot of information, right, Sal? I mean, we talk about to, to clients all the yeah. time. They, they really, as a first-time home buyer, you are so raw and you're so, it's like a deer in headlights sometimes. They don't, they, right. you don't know what you're doing the first time you're buying a house. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I remember buying my first car and being like, wow, what do, you know, what do I do? I got to go to the <laughs> bank and get a pre-approval for a car and this and that. And a home has a thousand more levels of complexity because you have your mortgage, you have your inspection, you have your appraisal, you have all this timing you have to get the insurance it has to have certain declarations and it's it's mm-hmm. kind of a uh, a process that if you don't have anyone to rely on you're not going to be able to figure it out in the time that you need to make this happen mm-hmm. so it's definitely imperative as a first time home buyer that you align yourself with someone who can walk you through everything make you feel comfortable and get you to the table which you know isn't too hard but at the same time it's something that you need to have that knowledge yeah, dude, I, I can't. St- I mean, and for for those people that are listening, I can't stress enough as a as a buyer in general, especially if you're a first time home buyer, how important it is to get a team of people around you between the real estate agent, insurance guy, mortgage guy, getting the right group of people that are going to care about your file, care about your your transaction, care about you together. You know, it's not just picking it out of a hat and hoping that you get the right agent, right? It's it's who gets me? Who gets what I'm looking for? Who is going to protect me? Like that's important. Absolutely, because I think a lot of times home first-time homebuyers especially can can find themselves in situations where, you know, they they start the process with somebody who doesn't have their best interest in mind or or, or the service model in place to get them to the closing table, and they get really frustrated and 
it's not uncommon for I mean, I'm working with a client now who is I'm their second agent, right? Because the first one just you know between not understanding the market and, and not walking them through the process and setting proper expectations with them um, really led to a level of frustration where they picked up the phone and said, "Hey, I'm looking in this area. We see your signs all over the place, so we decided to call you." And um, you know, it, it's just stepping back with that client and saying, "Look, here's what you need to do." And it's refreshing to them. Now mm-hmm. that they understand what needs to happen and how it's going to work, uh, their frustration levels yeah. has, has, has you know, come way People down. don't want to yeah. guess what they have to do and end Correct. up wrong. You have to yeah. tell people what they need to do because mm-hmm. that's how you help people, right? Yeah. I, mean, that's, that's, I mean, I want to write that down. I mean, what you you, can you say it again? Can you, you say it again? Man, I don't even know what I said. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, what it is is people need guidance. Yeah. Yep. And I, I think in, in with first-time home buyers, the, the relationship really becomes – they're the CEO ultimately of the process. So they're the ones who are going to make the final decision. But my role really comes down to, I, I would tell people all the time, is I'm going to be your CFO and your CR, you know, your, your chief financial officer and your chief risk officer. Yeah. So what I'm going to tell you is, you know, here's what, you know, you need to look out for. And from the financial standpoint, you know, here's a good offer here. You know, this is, you know, right. what needs to happen for, for this to, to get to the table. Here's what you need to expect over the next 30, 45 days. Um, And then once they have that information, tell them, look, you're the CEO. You make the decision. Right. Right. Here here, here are the parameters. And the other thing, too, I think it's important to do with first-time homebuyers is you need to tell them the worst-case scenario. So if they ask you, like, okay, if I make an offer X, you know, is it going to be accepted? Or do I need to make a stronger offer? And I always step back and tell them, look, if you make an offer that's under-asking, it's not, you know, it's probably not going to work. I'm not going to tell you not to make it. Right. But you need to be okay with the worst case scenario, and that is you're not going to get the house. Right. If you really like the house, make a stronger offer. If you don't really like the house, you know, make an offer that's a little under asking and see what happens. Yeah. Right. And then that the other, you know, on the flip side, the worst case scenario is, okay, you paid what? $1,000 more for the house? Mm-hmm. Do you love it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Well, you know what a lot of people don't realize? Being a first-time homebuyer, I want to get a deal, right? And I'm going to go in 5000 under ask. But when when you talk, when I talk to a client or sell, you do, and they and you make the realization to them that that $5,000 is 25 bucks a month. <laughs> right. They're like, uh, well, I don't want to lose the house over 25 bucks yeah. a month, right? I'm like, then go after it, right? Mm-hmm. So, well, uh, you know, and, and with that being said, an appraisal always will bring things somewhat, somewhat back into line, right? Because mm-hmm. if that seller is not willing to let that house go for, you know, that appraised value or a little maybe yeah. a little over it, mm-hmm. well, then that seller's not set for reality, right? Correct. It's going to happen every single time. And then the buyer, if they make an offer way over and, it, okay, well, you're protected a little bit by your appraisal unless you guarantee that. And as long as you set the expectations up right, there's no, there isn't really a worst case There's scenario. no surprises. And yeah. that's what we, you know, ultimately we try and take out of the process is surprises. All right, guys. Because so. it's it's emotional process and yeah. the more surprises you have in it, the worse it becomes. So. For yeah. sure. So let's get into some of these topics today. I, I didn't go over them, but so there, we've got three things. Uh, uh, there's a 10-year-old Justice Department decree that's going to be um, ending, and I'll get into that. It's kind of confusing, but it's really interesting stuff. Um, mortgage volume stalls as rates rise. Uh, rates have gone up, you know, and a lot of volume has gone down. And then we're going to talk a little bit about Wells Fargo. They really got jacked in uh, in court, so we'll talk a little bit about that. They're not doing great. Uh, it's interesting what's happening with Wells Fargo. They're just 
bleeding money on fines. But let's start with this thing. Uh, ba- basically, there was this thing that happened in the in uh, in 2008 where there's a guy by the name of Aaron Farmer. He sued uh, the state of Texas because he wanted to offer a scaled back real estate service. Basically, he wanted to do a la carte service. He wanted to be able to, you know, if you want to list your house, I'll charge you X. If you want to do this, I'll charge you X. Like he wanted to kind of and back then that wasn't allowed, basically. Right. Um, So he sued and he won. And the, the Justice Department basically struck a deal with the National Association of Realtors where they gave uh an opportunity to do this for the next 10 years is just basically a settlement for 10 years it had, a, it had a lifespan on it. Well, that's running out, uh, in November of this year. So what does this affect? It affects the agent that says, listen, give me 500 bucks. I'll list your house. It affects Zillow. It affects Redfin, all these other companies that want to do this a la carte type right. service. It's not full service. If this ends up getting removed, that's going to affect that. Right. But, you know, let's be realistic. A lot of these like a la carte services really stink. Right. They don't they're not great. Like if someone says, give me 500 bucks, I'll list your house. Well, all of a sudden they get their house under contract. They don't know what to do and they don't have anybody to call. It's it's kind of I've dealt with it a lot where they have to actually end up calling an agent to help them. Correct. And you'll see a lot of times where as a buyer's agent will run into those situations where the seller has no representation other than just the agent who threw it on the MLS. Right. And it, I mean, just simple things like showing the property. Like you right. have to call the homeowner to show the property. And if I have an, a buyer who, you know, maybe is on second shift and I want to be over there at two o'clock in the afternoon, well, they're at work. So I'm not right. going to show your house unless you get off of work and come over and open the door for me. Right. You know, so right. it's a lot of times these people who use these, these services, we'll call them, yeah. Um, really, you know, it's are, are you saving money, but are you costing yourself really, money on the other? I end? mean, all it really is is you're still a for sale by owner. You're just Correct. marketing. You, you're getting extra exposure, mm-hmm. right? So you're getting onto the MLS, and uh, I've been you know involved in a number of these transactions where, as long as everything goes smooth, right? It's uh, it's okay, right? It's it's not that big of a deal, but. Let's just be honest in this this business, you know, if everything went absolutely smooth, there would be no need for a loan officer or a real estate agent. Yeah. There's right. many things that can go wrong during inspection, appraisals coming in high or low, the mortgage process, things of that sort, where as a seller, I feel like you need to be prepared to know what's going on. And to our point earlier, right? I mean, how often do you sell a home in your life? Right. Two, three times, right? And the market changes all the time. You need that guidance and you need that support. And uh, it's almost, I don't know, I I don't want to talk too much more about it. Yeah, I know. So I'm going to get into a few things on this article because it's interesting. It's a market watch. So in mid-2000, this is out of the article, in the mid-2000s, a new company called Redfin, which offered steeply discount model for sellers, was particularly threatening to traditional brokers. But... 10 years on, those worries have abated. Basically, a lot of these companies that came out like Redfin, you know, a lot of people were scared. They're like, oh, my God, is this going to affect my business? Is this going to do the reality of what happened, which is really interesting to me? It, it re- ended up being like a non-factor They all after all this time. Maybe they've gotten some market share. I get it. But like they haven't really done anything to hurt because they've made a dent. They made a 
a minor dent. Like, the, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's non-existent in my opinion. A ding. Right? A ding yeah. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? A little paint chip, which I did to your car a little while ago. Man. Sorry about that. Uh, shouldn't park so close to the other car. It's your fault. So just to wrap this part up, I just this is the most awesome part of this whole whole article, right? This guy, Aaron Farmer, who sued and create created all this like like turmoil and try to get this done. <laughs> this is the best part. This is the best part. He comes to the realization that it doesn't work. It it, 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 it doesn't work. So he says, "I'm going back to the full service model." What he fought so hard to do ended up here. Farmer also began to realize that the customization, lower cost fee service system he'd invented wasn't working for him or his clients. He went back to the full service traditional model. Dude, it, it just goes to show you. And in, in the article, it says, you know, uh, people want the full service. They don't want to be like a la carte because it isn't our industry isn't suitable to that. People want yeah. the information, right? Like, like if, if you weren't involved, these people would making, be making like huge mistakes, right, Brennan? Like huge mistakes. Oh, I mean, it's start from the, pro, the just the standpoint of if you're using one of these models and, and you have no agent representing you just from the, the very get-go with the negotiation process, I mean, I negotiate deals every day and you're going to, trying out negotiate mm. me on the sale of your house. I mean, good luck. I mean, yeah. it's probably not going to work out for you. You don't understand the market. You don't under, you know, you, you just right. you don't have a feel for the market like an agent who's out working with multiple buyers, seeing multiple homes and knows what's right. going on. Well, and I think it goes kind of back to that integrity piece that you talked about at the beginning too because if you're being, you know, compensated to be a full service broker, I mean, that that's a that's a part of it, right? You want to walk away with that person happy with you, not, hey, you paid me 500 1500 whatever. I don't really care if anything happens along the way. You just paid me for that. So it'd be like, it would be like if I was jumping out of a plane with a parachute and some guy was like, I'll, you give me a thousand bucks, I'll check to make sure the parachute works. And you come over and you're like, Dude, I'll do it for twenty five bucks. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> no, you're jumping out of yeah. a plate. It's it's it would be nuts. It could work. <laughs> All right, it, it, yeah, but I, yeah, you right. You could die too, so it's whatever, a, man. It's a pretty. I mean, it's not life or death, but it's like it just wouldn't make sense. Okay, next topic: Wells Fargo. Um, you know, they've been marred in a lot of like bad press. Let's put it that way. They've been fined a lot. So just recently, they just got. The federal, I mean, the Federal Reserve basically um, just slapped them again. Their 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 uh, their stock fell nine percent. They lost two point seven million billion dollars in value. They've been Man. fined hundreds of millions of dollars, and a lot of this is based on fraudulent accounts. It's based on just th- the tax tactics that they were using to try to get people approved, uh, opening new accounts, opening up emails on their behalf without their knowledge. It, it, this is why this happened. Their and this is my opinion, but you know, their culture was based on you know push 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 for numbers, right? We yeah. need to push 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 for numbers at all costs. Their supervisors were like, "You're not doing enough. You're not doing enough. You're not doing enough." When you have a culture like that, and you don't focus on service and quality, you're gonna get slapped, right? In in our industry, and I believe this: if I do good work, I will be repaid. A billion times on top of that. If I do bad work, it's a house of cards. It's going to fall apart. Yeah, correct. Yeah, if you're out providing good service for your clients, 
that client is going to have an experience that they enjoyed and were comfortable with. And when they're sitting at work and somebody mentions, "Hey, I'm starting to look for a house," they're going to they're going to tell their coworker about you, right? Because they had a good experience, and you'll get repaid, you know, many times over from just a single client. And, and that even goes to like win or lose if you provide good service. Like, let's say I do a refinance and it doesn't pan out because the appraisal didn't work. If I provide a good service to that client, they're still going to refer me. They're still going to call me when they buy it, buy a house next time, right? It's not, hey, I you know did this shady thing to get your deal done, right? But, but my point with all this is right, really, yeah. if like if your boss is is beating you up because your numbers aren't high enough because because whatever, and it causes you to do illicit stuff, that's right. horrible, right? Like I need more of X, so you start opening up fake accounts for people. You start, you know what I mean? Like right. that's Photoshop and W2s and whatnot. Whoa. whoa, oh. whoa. <laughs> what do you Well, I just learned from you, man. <laughs> I mean, but photoshopping W2s, really? You said that? I was just If, saying if there's if there is white out in a mortgage professional's office, yeah. that is a problem. <laughs> right. Right? You shouldn't have that. So, I just Wells Fargo to me, look, they built it's an old company. They built a good business. They were pushing for numbers, but again, in their pursuit of of like of like being the best, they created a, a an environment of cheaters. You can't cheat, man. Do do things the right way. I think I think that is how you grow a healthy business. And they got away from service, in essence, is what they did. Yeah, they just wanted numbers. The p- consumers were just consumers. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a they didn't have a soul. They just didn't care about them. They were just a number on that piece of paper. That's all they yep. became, right? And once that beca- once once that happens, you're done. So, well, and I think from from a real estate agent's perspective, when you receive a pre-approval from a Wells Fargo, a Bank of America, a Chase, I mean, right, what's right. your what's your reaction? Honestly, um, honestly, big <laughs> banks move slow. Yeah. Um. So there's you know that hesitation from yeah. from a realtor standpoint. How slow? How slow? Um. I mean, we can get in. You know, banks will tell us, "I need 45 days to close this." Right. You know, yeah. and, it's and how's the communication? Uh, poor. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, granted, there you know, are some... Generally, there's service centers. Like, I know Wells Fargo, they have a service center in Iowa, right? right. You know, in the middle of the, you know, middle of the cornfield, and you're, you're trying to get stuff done, and right. you know, you're calling some I mean, guy who's yeah. know, and then hours a, behind you. and It's not to blanket every single, you know, transaction or, or no, loan officer no, that works that. there. I mean, I, there's a lot of great people that work at these banks, but, you know, just in the the minutiae as paul would say of of being a huge it's bank a, you know things just get get kind of uh lost in translation so yeah minutiae paul says it like daily spell that for me i don't even want to man. <laughs> next topic <laughs> uh this one i'm not going to spend as much time on look mortgage volume stalls as rates rise to the highest level in four years that is um a little misleading i think the majority of the stall that we're seeing is in the refinance market, yeah. right? I mean that people are refinancing as rates go up. There's less of a there's less of a need or a want to refinance. The appetite kind of falls. Let's be clear though, rates are still very very low. People that either buy or refinance today will look back and say, "Man, I got a four and a half percent interest rate. Man, I got four point eight. It might even be five percent, right?" That is still going to be, mark my word, it still will, you will look back and say, right. I'm glad I got in. Right? Well, it, it, it's, that comes back to the first time homebuyers. A lot of times, we'll, first time homebuyer will be talking about interest rates and 
they'll they'll mention you know are, are rates going up or you know what what are rates going to right and oftentimes i'll t- tell the story my parents the current house were in they bought in 1978 and their interest rate was 13 and a half percent right well and, and you know if rates go from four and a half to four point seven five, it's not the end of the world. It's still an awesome. But it's rate. not even that long ago. So a guy that works here, he's an old broker, and he pulled up an old rate sheet that he had, and uh, a thirty-year fixed conventional mortgage like in eight and a half. in nineteen ninety-eight. I think it was. It was eight and a half or nine percent, depending. Think about that. That wasn't that long yeah, ago, right. right? Sal it's was like, double. Sal, you were like, how long? How old were you in ninety-eight? Ten years old. Oh, see, I was 18. We're not that far apart, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> Come on, man. Um, so, yeah, no, it is uh, it is definitely, uh, it, it's a funny conversation sometimes, you, you know, talking to a first-time homebuyer. It's like, well, I want the best deal, lowest rate. And it's like, you're getting the best deal because you're buying in this market. Correct. You know? And it's, it's, it's setting expectations yeah. and, and just putting, you know, some perspective right. in, to the process. And when people say rates are going up, it's like, okay, did that... Did that cost of a Jets large pizza yeah. deter you from buying a home monthly? For you, you know? or the general population? Well, because <laughs> you love your Jets. I do, man. Oh, <laughs> man. It always comes back to food for our pleasure. It does, man. <laughs> it's so man. funny. You bring it out of yourself. I mean, I, I didn't. That's okay. I, I'll embrace it. I just want to say within this article, it actually says mortgage applications to purchase a home are unchanged for the week. Um, buyers are out in force, but home prices are high and there is is record low supply that's across the country so i just wanted to kind of talk a little bit about that the purchase market is going to be super strong i don't i don't foresee that going away um there's a stat basically i talked about in uh in, in a thing that i do uh, that basically the last 10 million households that were created those 10 million 80 percent were renters and 20 percent were buyers right uh of homes um that's the the number is actually sixty three or sixty four percent homeowners instead of eighty percent renters, right? So we're going to see a big shift in that. Um, I did want to bring up one last thing. There was a Girl Scout girl that that sold cookies that got in trouble. Did you guys hear about this? I did not. No. She. And I think this is. Did entre- her dad work at Wells Fargo? No, no. So this is completely off topic. I just think it's absolutely genius and entrepreneurial, and she's going to get in trouble for it. Um, she uh, set up shop in front of a, a pot dispensary. That's man, that's genius. <laughs> yeah. Genius. I mean, hungry people like cookies, man. Hungry people? Yeah. I, I, high, high people, people. like. I mean, I, <laughs> well, I was trying to make that correlation. I mean, I mean, if you're, if you're, I wouldn't know that, Paul. So I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. You're, yeah, I know you're, you're, you don't do any of that stuff. So I just think it's like, like I hate the idea that this girl's going to get in trouble because it, it, this is America and this is a free market and if you can find a way to to get an edge, you should get it. And I don't appreciate. She should be rewarded. She should be given a medal, like a Girl Scout the medal. The greatest merit badge of all time. That a Girl Scout could have, like a joint. Yeah. <laughs> like well, they're not. Be. They're not slapping, you know, uh, McDonald's or Taco Bell on the wrist for maybe putting a location close to a bar scene, right? Why? What? They're not slapping. Taco. They're not Girl Scouts, man. That's the difference. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's the whole point of the story. I mean, you can't you use a really bad analogy. Salt cookies. Man. Uh, Brendan, tell everybody how they can get a hold of you, man. Um, so you can email me at brendan at jsarealtors.com. It's B-R-E-N-D-A-N uh, at jsarealtors.com. Or you can call me on my cell phone at oh, 248-914-0037. One more time on that Two, 248-914-0037. Guys, that's it. 
That's it. Sal. Good one. <laughs> Love you, buddy. Yeah. You know that, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know you do, man. Guys, thank you for listening. This was Live on Real Estate. Please check us out on liveonrealestate.com. Like our podcast thing. Get the app. Get the app. Get the app. Download Comes it. Like, share. Phone. If you guys have any comments you want to leave us or questions you want, go to liveonrealestate.com. Go to the comment section or contact, and then we will get that information and respond accordingly. I mean, this song is great. <laughs> call me Al or call me Sal. Call me Sal. <laughs> 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 you want to end it? All right, everyone. Love you. Bye-bye.